Welcome to season two of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie Alize, leadership and relationship coach by day, comedian and writer by night. I'm on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way leaders think and the way the world communicates. No more welcome to my TED Talks and Dear Abby advice friends. It's time to start having powerful conversations and exchange of ideas without being attached to outcomes. These are the components of a witty and wise conversation that have the power to transform the way we live and lead in a profound way. These following rules inspired by the Coactive Training Institute create space for powerful connection and authenticity. Rule number one today, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And my favorite, Rule number four, everything is included. We will not edit these. Whatever is supposed to happen today will. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You will be heard. There is space for you. Conversation is meant to be a dance an ebb and flow, a back and forth exchange of energies, thoughts, and emotions. The which we bring to this conversation releases endorphin known as the painkiller. You actually feel better when you laugh. The wisdom we bring to the conversation will be seen in the impact it has on everyone who hears it. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask you, our listeners, and our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you don't want to miss them. You can check out all these episodes on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, follow us at Outstanding Women Leaders, or follow me at Owl Professional Coaching. But enough about me. Today's guest is Erin Halpern. She is on a mission to help ambitious professionals achieve the freedom, flexibility, and work-life integration that comes with consulting. Erin learned firsthand how important these values are when she was pregnant with her first son, receiving the news no parent ever wants to hear there's something wrong with your baby. Don't worry, he's perfectly healthy now. At the time, she was in a very demanding private equity job, and there was no way she could continue working full-time and manage his surgeries and doctor's appointments. Something had to change. Erin did the bold and brave things and went on to build her consultancy agency, spending seven years providing marketing expertise to her private equity, real estate investor, and hedge fund clients. She was able to make a high six-figure income while having the flexibility to manage her son's health, have her second son, maintain a strong marriage, and move homes twice. Phew, I have just moved. Moving is crazy. Since launching The Upside in 2017, Erin's advised more than 1,000 professionals on how to build a respected consultancy practice that generates consistent clients and affords them the freedom and flexibility that comes with being your own boss. Erin, welcome to the Outstanding Women Leaders. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm not just, I'm not just saying this. I actually like kind of got choked up like when you were, when you were reading, even though I've read that bio and I've heard it read a million times, I, it just, you know, hearing the part about my son, it just never gets old. I still, it still gets me choked up. Yeah. So tell us about your experience and that um, moment where you've realized that something is more important than work. Because I've had that moment. Mine led to divorce and a brand new life. And yours led to a brand new life and a baby. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I love working. I've always loved working. Um, you know, there's those types of people who just, I always got excited about jobs since I was a little kid. I just love, love, love working for different reasons. Doesn't mean I always like my job, but I always like to work. Um, you know, so, so as far as, you know, that light bulb moment of going out on your own and, 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 and achieving a goal that is so different than being an employee, building something on your own, it, it can be very daunting. It can be something that is overwhelming. It, there's so many moving parts because being a leader on the corporate ladder is not the same as being a leader of yourself, a leader of, of your own company. And so there's certain skills you have to learn. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to not know that it was going to be difficult. No one told me otherwise. And this was before it was as popular as it is today. And because I was naive and didn't know otherwise, it wasn't as hard as people think it is. And I stumbled, but I figured things out. I didn't make the same mistake twice. And that, that led me to building what I, what I did today. That's amazing. What was that moment for you where you said, I'm going to do this? Um, were you um, yeah, scared? Yeah. Like, what were you feeling? Um, I was a little, I needed a confidence boost. I'm not going to lie. I was like, can I like, will people really pay me for my expertise? Like, am I there yet? Do I really? And I think a lot of people have that self doubt because as employees we're taught to be appreciative and grateful for the opportunity. And, you know, it, you know, don't, you know, don't ask for too much. And, when you go out on your own, you have to really change your mindset. So I was feeling like I wasn't sure if people would actually pay what I thought were very high rates. I, someone gave me a tip and said, this is what you should charge. And I thought, okay, that seems really high, but I've got nothing to lose. You know, I've got nothing to lose. And you know what? Not only did people say yes, I had so many people lined up to work with me because I was so specific in what I did. It was a very niche consultancy and not many people did the type of work that I did. And I was known in the industry as someone who could do it well and do it fast. That I had so many people wanting to work with me that I was able to pick and choose the clients and the projects that lit me up. And what better than that, that, you know, you can pay my rate. I like what you're doing. I like the work. And I get to choose when, where, and how I work and have a baby and be able to take him to his doctor's appointments and sit at the hospital with a laptop during his surgeries and not skip a beat. Like it was nothing. I never had to ask for permission. It was my own company. So yeah, that feeling certainly was, I'm not going to lie and say like, oh no, I knew exactly what I was doing from day one. No, I didn't. But like anything that's difficult, or challenging or worthwhile, you have to look at it like a cold pool where jumping in is kind of tough. You know, it's a little tough. That first, that first jump does not feel super awesome. But once you get in the water, not only does it feel great, but it's so rewarding. What was your first jump? Like, did you just walk in and say, I'm out? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. That, that's exactly right. Um, I not quite like that. I had a great relationship with my company that I work for. Um, I had a great relationship with my boss. I really 
had built up such a relationship with him over the years. I mean, as someone who now has people working under me, I know that when you find someone who can anticipate your needs and read your mind and execute your vision, you don't want to let that person go. And that's the type of relationship we had. Um, so I went to him and I flat out said with like the nerves, like my stomach was a knot. And I went to him, I said, you know, I want to go out on my own. I want to consult. I want more flexibility. And I think this is actually a benefit to you as well. And let me show you why and how it would work. And, um, you know, seven years later, I was still doing it. Mm, I love that. It's, it's, I love hearing you tell that story because that's in my mind how I envisioned building my business and then COVID hit <laughs> and it sort of flipped everything on its head. And I've really focused on the coaching aspect uh, versus consulting. Consulting doesn't quite get me as excited. Um, I'd love to hear more about the consulting piece. What does it look like? I mean, what does a consultant do and what is, how do you get clients? You know, I wish there was a better word for, for what we all do because I use the word consulting or consultant because it's just the best word I can come up with for what this is, but it's advisory, it's coaching, it's consulting, it's sometimes people say freelancing. It's all kind of a similar thing. It, there's not much of a difference among, across all of them as far as um, the frameworks and the back end portion of the business, but the front end is very different. So if you're a freelancer, for example, that's like, well, that has its own, I don't love the word freelancer. So that's its own thing. And then consultant, advisor, coach, it's just more of like how you position yourself on the front end. Um, and now I'm, I'm talking in circles because I wanted to just identify the whole consulting, like what that actually sounds like and looks like and, and why there's not much of a difference across all of those words. But you have to pick some word to describe what you do, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the word I've chosen. What does that look like? It's the best possible scenario when you're bridging the gap between being an entrepreneur and being an employee. So not everyone wants to start a venture backed company and build it to, you know, eight, nine figures and have a product. No, a lot, most people don't want to do that, but you still want to be your own boss. So how do you do that with the without throwing away the skills you already have? Well, consulting is that middle ground. You're not an employee, but you're not necessarily an entrepreneur. You're not creating something new or taking on a ton of risk or even getting any kind of funding. So it's that perfect middle ground where you get to package your skills, leverage the networks that you already have, and that is the business. The business is you and your value that you, and your intelligence and your knowledge that you've built up over the years. And that's really valuable. And it's a lot more valuable than most people think. Mm -hmm. Most employees, I should say. Most people coming out of full-time employment don't realize how valuable their knowledge really is. You're absolutely right. And, and that part of it does get me excited. As an edu a former educator, I do love sharing my knowledge, <laughs> which is why I kind of always tiptoe around this consulting um, and reaching out to your network. So if I wanted to get into consulting tomorrow, um, what do I do? Who do I, who do I go to and say, 
I've got these great services and here's why you should pay me. Like, what did that look like for you? Well, I will say I, I stumbled. I don't want people to stumble the way ah. I did. I stumbled and at first and I, but I didn't make the same mistake twice. And I collected all of that knowledge to help others along the way. I didn't stumble terribly, but I did make some small mistakes. And one of them was not being super clear on what my offering was and who my audience was. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to get out of the alternative investment space. I wanted to work on like sexy projects. I wanted to work with hotels and I wanted to work, you know, I was like reaching for any contact I had instead of focusing on the network where all of my whole experience was based on. You know, I was like, you know, I, I learned really quickly that you know, I'm going after anything that's falling in my lap and people were dangling carrots in front of me like, oh, you know, if you give me this rate, I'll give you access to like the bigger parent company. Isn't that what you really want? Yeah, yeah. Guess what? That, that never happened, of course, because people who dangle carrots are red flags. You don't work with people like that. I can tell you I learned from that mistake. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there was just so much stumbling and so much to learn that when I tell you the first, you know, there is a right way and a wrong way to go about it. And that is why I started the upside. I wanted to assemble all of those best practices and all of that knowledge under one roof to help people and prevent them from stumbling like I did. I don't want them to do that. Now, I was a consultant for seven years before starting the upside. So believe me, I learned within my first year what worked and what didn't. And I did not stumble after that. So I don't want people to think I was a total mess because I wasn't. But the first step is defining that offering. The biggest mistake people can make is going out to the world, going out to the network, being like, hey, I'm out here now. Like I'm consulting. Um, who wants me? <laughs> who, what are you looking for? Like, you know, trying to fill in the gaps. No, you need to have a really well-defined, well-thought-out offering and target audience before you start tapping into your network. And there are a million reasons why, I mean, that could be a whole hour just talking about that, but there's a, there's a lot of rhyme and reason as to why you need to do that, especially because you, you have one chance to make what you do stick in people's heads. And if you're not super clear, you're all over the place about it, they won't remember you, they won't remember what you do, and they certainly won't be able to send you referrals, which is really how you build a profitable consultancy. I love that. I, um, when you said that you, this not sticking, like throwing stuff out there, I, as a teacher, I think of World War, or I'm sorry, depression, when we were just throwing money at different projects. And I did this class assignment where you would take paper towels and you would throw them at the wall to see what sticks. And then that was literally what, how we chose which programs worked um, during uh, the depression. And I think of that when I think of people trying to build businesses as those paper towels are these different clients that you want and you're just trying to see which one sticks and then you run after that one. Um, what methodology do you recommend for people? To, like, what do you do for people to help them figure out which of those paper towels that are sticking to the wall are not just carrots that are there? Like, how do you help people figure that out? Well, I have a pretty complex framework for doing that. So I'm going to give you like the most simplified version of what I teach people. First, you have to determine if you are more of an execution 
type consultant or you're a high-level advisor type consultant. They're two totally separate styles that package their skills differently. So the advisors are people typically coming out of very high-level roles, um, people with probably you know 18 to 20 years of work experience, just typically, not everybody, but typically. Um, these are people who really understand how different departments work. They've overseen different departments. They work cross-departmental. They, they know, they, 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 they're almost, or they are C-suite style executives and professionals. So that's the advisor side. So let's start with the execution style side, which is most people. That's you know 99% of people are coming out of jobs where they were pretty siloed into one function or one department. Quite simply, you determine, first of all, which skills you don't like. So there's no point in starting a consultancy doing work that you don't enjoy. So just cross that off the list right there. No point in doing that. Then you want to really focus in on the skills that you have that if those skills alone were a full-time job, they would pay the most money. So for example, I see a lot of marketers who they're able to do graphic design, they're able to do copywriting, and they're able to do branding. Well, of those three, the branding person would get paid the most in a full-time job. The copywriter and the graphic designer that is not as highly valued financially as branding is in a corporate role. So when you, so you want to focus on what gets paid the most in a full-time corporate role. Then after you do all of that, you want to look at the industry and look at where you have the deepest network and which networks you have, have the deepest pockets. So let's say you've worked in beauty and you've worked in finance, just giving you polar opposites there. Well, finance, you're gonna get paid a lot more doing branding in the financial space than in the beauty space. So if you have contacts in both and you have a network in both, you should totally choose the industry that first of all, isn't going anywhere. And second of all, has the deepest pockets. It's going to be much easier to ask for higher rates and much easier to get a yes. And there's a lot more, of, you know, there's a lot more in this exercise that, again, this could be a whole hour. We could talk about that. But this, at least these little cliff notes get you in the mindset of thinking about what's most valuable that you offer. Now, if you're in the advisory space and that's really your world, you're the high level advisor type, you're going to focus on what I call the four pillars of value. There's only four results clients are looking for. No matter how you break it down, no matter what skill or service you're providing, it comes down to four things. Number one, you grow people's revenue. Number two, you create efficiencies or save them money. Number three, you provide them access to something that they don't have that you have, maybe a book of contacts or a book of relationships. And number four, solving an immediate urgent headache. Everything comes down to one of those four things. So if you're on the advisory side, how your skill doesn't matter. How, how you get to the result doesn't matter. They're hiring you for the result. So you can be, for example, a profitab profitability strategist. 
how we get to the profit, how we help your bottom line, how I do it isn't important because the whole point is I'm coming in, I'm going, going to do a diagnostic, I'm going to see where the problem is and I'm going to fix it. Not every consultant can do that. So I think hopefully that answers most of your questions without getting into an entire workshop on it. Yes. And I know we usually do the promo at the very end for what you have coming up, but now I want to ask you questions about what's coming up for you because I'm like hanging on to every word as I take notes. Yeah, I see. you. I'm like, I'm looking at like the smoke coming off of your pencil through the computer. I'm like, her head is down this whole time taking notes. Well, when I think about my friends right now and like where they're at and their business, I say, I use friends very loosely. Some of these people are clients. Some of these are people. Um, I just think, wow, this is really eye-opening for where they should be shifting their energies, uh, myself included, as I think about, um, I don't want to do execution, which is what I always think of when I think of consulting. It's like, nope, that's not me. Um, I do in the four pillars of value when you talk about that. That is 100% where I'm at. Uh, I have access to something that other people don't have and, um, in addition to being able to solve urgent headaches, increase revenue, and create efficiencies. Um, that's what we do in the CrossFit business model is create efficiencies and make a lot of money um, off of less members. We're not the New York sports club model. Um, that's the same type of model. Um, that just, just what I bring to everything I do is that same thought process. So let's talk about your upcoming class if we can, um, because I'm really excited about it. Uh, tell us a little, I forget what it's called. I was looking for my notes, but I got really into your last um, thing you were saying. I'm sorry. It's the Upside Accelerator for Early Stage Consultants. Upside Accelerator for Early Stage Consultants. Um, and when I think about the coaching area where I'm at and the Coactive Institute, these are people... Uh, a lot of the people that I've naturally gravitated towards who are your advisors that are at your C-level place. So um, what, it's a 10-week program, uh, and there's also other things. Tell us about it. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, I'm so flattered that you brought it up, to be honest. So I'm glad that the, the smoke coming off your pencil made you want to talk about it earlier than later. But it's, it's a six-week six course, six modules, six weeks with 12 weeks of support. So one thing that's very important when someone is considering a course, and you know this because you're in that space, is, you know, time is money and nobody has time for any of this stuff. What I did, which is different than what some other people do in the space, is I said, you know what, I know my people, I know who these people are, and they do not have time for, to take a course. So I distilled only the most important information, the information that I've taught over the past four years to people, and they've come back and said, I just landed my first six-figure client, or I landed a five-figure a month retainer. Um, you know, I took all of that, all of that decade plus knowledge of consulting and packaged it into this six week course. And then of course I wanted to. And so there's, there's week, 12 weeks of community support, 
where you're going to meet all the other people going through the course. And then there's 10 weeks of live group support with me as well. So you can ask your questions and get them answered directly by me. And really the goal is, you know, I'm not going to get you rich. I don't claim to get you rich. I'm not going to make you a million dollars. I'm not going to show you how to make millions of dollars. What I'm going to show you is how to replace your corporate salary or more in your first year working fewer hours and working when, where, and how you want while building your own thing. That's what I'm an expert in. That is what I know how to do. And that is what I can teach people to do. I love that. And it's, I love that you're so distinct with your niche and your results and what you're going to get. Like you, everything you've just talked about before you just gave us in this course, um, even in your description. So I, I love that. If someone, so in these modules, I'm asking for a friend, I'm the friend. Um, when you talk about contracts and landing these contracts, what support do you provide for people? Is it, cause I think that's probably the hardest part is, asking someone to give you a lot of money. So which, you tell me what's the, what's the question exactly? I guess putting together the offer, the package, the contract. Once you have someone that says, yes, I'm interested in what you sell. Do you have your pricing up front? What do you recommend for that? Once someone has said yes, they already know your pricing. Okay. That no one should be surprised with prices in a contract. They, you should have already discussed that. Then you get the yes. The key is, and this is one of the things that separates the profitable, successful consultants from those who constantly stumble, the key is how you prospect your clients. So we talk about pitching clients a lot. Pitching is really the wrong word because pitching invokes this feeling, you know, I can picture, you know, like the old ad agencies back in the 50s and 60s, like, pitching, you know, Coca-Cola, like selling, selling, selling the idea. Um, you don't want to sell yourself. That's not really what can like successful consultants don't really do that. The, the trick is with prospecting It's not pitching, it's prospecting clients and really getting an understanding of what the problem is, what the sense of urgency is, who's the final decision maker, and how they value the problem in terms of dollars. You have to ask questions. It's not all about you telling them about yourself and selling, selling, selling. The most successful consultants ask the right questions when they're prospecting. I love that. I have an entire YouTube segment called What's Katie Asking? I am always asking questions. Um, when I take a job, the first 90 days, that's my job is to ask questions and to put on my consultant hat. What kind of questions should people be asking? All right, well, I'll, I'll make it simple because again, this is an entire module in the course and this could last 30 minutes if I'd go over this part. So I'll get to the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. Number one, you wanna to get to the problem. So a lot of times clients will say they need one thing but really when you peel back the layers of the onion, they really actually need something else. So a client may say, yeah, I need a, I need a marketer. You know, I need a marketer. Okay. And then you might say, you know, wh what do you want the marketer to do? What do you want the real result? Oh, well, we need to grow by another 25% this year. 
and I don't know how to do that without upping my marketing game. And then by asking the right questions, someone may the consultant may discover really the problem is the SEO. It's on the back end, not the front end. You think you need a marketer, but your SEO is a mess. You know, but, but it also, the questions are specific to what sector, what skill you're providing, to be honest. So um, I just used a mark. I, I like to use marketing examples because there's so many consultants that fit under the marketing umbrella. So it resonates with a lot of people. Um, so getting to that problem, what the real problem is, and repeating it back to them. So you're, what you're saying is you need to, the problem is revenue growth. The problem, they think the problem is they need a marketer. The problem is revenue growth. You're just not hitting your numbers. Let me ask you, you know, you know, how you normally get your clients? How do you normally get your customers? What are you doing right now to get, and then you break it down. And because you know what you're doing, you're going to see where the hole is. And you're going to say, well, actually, so what I'm seeing is the problem is maybe it's, you know, merchandising or it's pricing. It could be a million things, but it's your job to uncover the real problem. Then you have to get to the value and the urgency. Questions like, if you make no changes whatsoever in the next six months, what do you stand to lose by not solving this problem, by not making a change? Or depending on what you offer, you can say, what do you stand to gain? What do you stand to gain by making this change? So now you're getting a sense of urgency. You're going to find out if they say, well, we could wait another 12 months before we you know, really change. You know there's no sense of urgency which is important because it's very hard to close a client that doesn't have a sense of urgency. But it's also how they value it and you want to get it in dollars. They may say, well, if we don't do this, we could not hit our numbers. We could stand to lose a big chunk of market share. And what would that cost you? So what would that cost you? Ooh, about $15 million probably if, of competitors coming in and gaining market share. So you're saying if you, if you don't fix X problem in the next six months, you stand to lose about $15 million worth of market share. Yes, that's correct. You see, so now you framed it in a way that they understand the dollar amount that's at stake, but I guarantee you they did not understand it before they spoke to you. And that this way, when you come in with your very high pricing, it's a drop in the bucket compared to $15 million you know, to pay 150,000 to get to 15 million is a drop in the bucket. Yeah. It, it makes total sense. And I've seen consultants who were going to price something at like 25, 30,000 and ended up at like the 150 mark after this exercise. And they got a yes, because when you compare it, you know, it, you have to compare it to what the results look like. Mm -hmm. um, and then quite simply, is the person making the final decision on this in this room right now? Is there anyone else who needs to be pulled in to make this final decision? Because the last thing you want is like the underlings communicating to the big boss about you. You want it coming directly from you to that person. You don't want to play telephone. Amazing, incredible advice. I can't wait to pull this clip just to share on my social media so I have immediate access to it. 
Um, what you just described is, is coaching. <laughs> what you just described for me is exactly how um, you speak to clients that want to transform their lives. When you talk to companies, whether it, when I was a weight loss coach, um, you know, people have spent money on all kinds of programs. They don't work. Uh, same thing for coaching on, on the cost of what's the cost of continuing to go down that road. So you are amazing. I love what you're bringing to the consulting space. I've worked with some really shitty consultants. And so you really changed my opinion <laughs> of this dirty word for me, which was consulting. Um, because you're truly consulting. You, I love that you come in with these questions, not with, you, know, you talked about the execution style versus the advisory style. Um, clearly you can do both. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of this knowledge for free on this podcast for people. I'm personally excited to check out um, your uh, course and absolutely start applying this to uh, helping people because we, if we can't consult and we can't coach, then we can't change people. We can't make an impact for people. And so you are that ripple effect where you are going to have so much impact in the world and helping also just people use their skills and talents and build the life that they love, which is why I'm becoming a coach as well. Becoming a coach. I am a coach and I've been coaching. Um, before we go today, I want to talk about leadership with you a little bit um, in corporate America and specifically the leadership gap that women um, have been trying to close the glass ceiling. Um, we spoke a little bit before this on how there's also this leadership gap at home. Uh, what I haven't actually worked in quote unquote corporate America. I mean, in education and nonprofit, you corporate folks have made your way in. <laughs> so I've experienced it. But it, for someone that's worked in um, private equity and were, I imagine was pretty male dominated, what's, what's the solution to this leadership gap now? Where do we need to spend the next 50 years fighting for? Well, you know, it sounds like my story was unique in that um, I never really saw a problem in my universe. Um, I, I had no issues climbing the corporate ladder in, in that industry, but I also carved a very well-defined space for myself. Uh, and I would also say that I, al I always like to ask the question, if no one had husbands, and if no one had kids, what would it look like? You know, what would that corporate world look like? Because I really think that once, like for me, I started consulting almost as like right after I got married and got pregnant with my first son, like that's when I started consulting. So I never knew what it was like to work full time. I mean, I didn't want to know what it was like to work full time with a husband and maybe commuting from the suburbs and having babies at home and nannies and all that. Like, I didn't have to deal with all that. So I always like to ask the question, you know, what would it look like if no one had husbands and babies at home? That would be a totally level playing field where we really could see where the gap is. Mm -hmm. Then we could see where the gap is, but that's not the world we live in. The babies, the pregnancies, the gazillion doctor's appointments that go along with that. Feeling when you're pregnant and anyone who's listening who's ever had a kid will agree that it's like you're just kind of sick for a year. You're just not yourself. 
you're not you're not 100% for a year and having to fight. I mean, imagine having to work when you're sick all year. And I don't mean sick to your stomach, like morning sickness, because that is definitely part of it, but not for everyone. You just don't feel awesome for a year. And you're working through all that while everyone else around you feels great. You know, that's hard. That it all starts with that. But it also starts with the home. You know, we are just not in a society in this country, in the US right now, where most families have a partner, like equal partnership at home. And typically what happens is the person who makes the most money tends to do the least amount at home because the other person feels guilty bothering the other person with laundry and everything and cooking dinner and the kids schoolwork and paperwork and their doctor's appointments you know i can't tell you how many professional women i know who say that you know they're the default parent when there's an emergency when someone has to get picked up from school that happens all the time and the problem is women across the board get paid you know 70 80 percent of what men get paid in the, in the same jobs. So even if you are super successful in your job, it's very likely that your male partner or your spouse is paid more just by default. And that it just creates this imbalance at home. And when someone comes home from work or they're always, always on edge that they're going to get a phone call from the school nurse or they're, the nanny called out sick and now Oh, I've got to stay home. I've got to call out for the day. And be Where home. COVID hits and now well, you're a stay-at-home teacher oh, as well as your job. Yeah, it, that, that's bananas. That has been just beyond crazy. I know so many high-level professional women that just took a step back or quit or just were like, this isn't worth it. I cannot do both. And again, when your partner makes more than you, who's going to quit? You know, like who's the one who's going to quit? It's going to be the one who makes less almost always. And even if you're really successful in your job, it's likely you make less than your spouse. If, if, if it's a man and a woman, just the way it is. And it just causes this huge imbalance. Culturally, if all partnerships at home were equal and truly divided up, in a way that both people felt like it was distributed equally and both people felt like they were pulling equal weight, there would be less of a problem at work. Yeah, so what I'm hearing for my mission, because my mission is to help um, break down that glass ceiling, there's some other, there's a way that we communicate that needs to change, um, is designing this alliance at home where women um, you are climbing corporate ladders, you are bosses at home, but the alliance that you're designing with your partner from the very beginning is not, um, and I don't even want to say 50-50, but co-leading is 100% and 100% together um, doing that. And when a plan falls apart, that means that together your plan has fallen apart. And I would love to help women and men um, be better leaders at home. Men that are making all the money and that are working their 80 hours a week, there's a way that you can structure your family where you have these leaders in front, like who's keeping the vision? 
whose eye is on front of making sure the family is okay? Is that sometimes that can be mom, sometimes that can be dad. Sometimes that's your teenager where you put them and say, like, I need you to be out here in front of the vision. And in the five dimensional leadership and coactive, then you have your leader behind. Like, okay, well, if, babe, if I'm doing the doctor's appointments out front, like, where are you at behind? You have dinner tonight? <laughs> are, you, are you calling in? Are you grub hubbing? Like, it doesn't even have to be a big thing. But where are you getting from behind support? And little kids are great at being support from behind, by the way. Um, maybe you need to tell that four-year-old, hey, your job is to make sure everybody is okay. Check in with everybody. Does dad need anything? Does mom need anything? Does your seven-year-old need a blanket? 100%. Um, <laughs> people don't give their kids enough responsibility and enough credit for being able to step up. And I'll just let you hear just a, this is so aligned with what you just said. We... Um, have always been part of the au pair program for since we've had kids. Um, and we've had six years of just unbelievable au pairs who are truly continuously a part of our family. Um, we just absolutely love the program. We love our au pairs. And we had a tough time getting our next au pair over here because of COVID. And we were able to complete special paperwork and pull special strings. And we were able to get him a visa and get him over here. And he went back after a week. So after six months of having spotty childcare without, you know, our au pair, I finally got him here and he stayed for a week and then went back to Germany. And for like a day, I flipped out. I mean, I flipped out. I was like, what am I going to do? I've got the biggest three months of my whole business coming up. This is, my kids are doing half days. Maybe they'll even be home full days eventually. Like, I don't know what to do. And my husband was like, hey, hello. Hi, I'm right here. Like, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, um, why aren't you asking me to help? Like, I'm I'm here too. They're my kids too. And your business is important to us also. And your success is important to us. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I have a helpful husband. Mm. And we sat down and we laid out a plan. We had a discussion with the kids. We were like, guess what guys? Like you're growing up this year. You'll be making your own lunches for school. You'll be cleaning them up yourself. You're responsible for getting on the computers by yourself for homeschooling and you're responsible for completing your homework by yourself. There is no one who's going to be watching you. And, and how old are your kids? First and fourth grade. Love it. And I we're, love we're it. like, as a family, we're like, all right, like we had a meeting and Matt, you're doing this. I'm do I'm responsible for this. Grandma's patching in over here and we're going to make it work, but it didn't all fall on me. And I, the next day I woke up like, no stress, everything's gonna be fine. And I have no childcare. <laughs> and I work full time. But you know, that that's why it's a it's just a, it's important to ask and it's important to also say this is not an option. Like this, like we both have to work together and here's why. I, I love that you mentioned that because I think we forget to ask as women. Oh um, yeah. We we, right, we're products of our own environment and our own raising. And if our mothers didn't ask, we forget that we can ask. Um, I just went through the most stressful, second most stressful thing that can happen is moving. 
Um, but also moving in with a partner, which is just, which means that my boxes are here and his boxes are there and they all have to be combined. And I've never experienced with having movers such a stressful move. And it was, he was just continuously there to do things. And <laughs> we got to the point where I had that guilt where I'm not making as much and he has to get his work done. He's taken time off to move. Babe, what can I do to help you? This will be a joke, I think, for us forever. He's like, you know, it'd be really great if the kitchen was put back together. And it was the one thing I didn't want to do because that's where he had all the stuff and I had all the stuff. <laughs> and I just lost it. And I'm like, I just, it just, I feel like this means I'm in charge of all this. and I shouldn't be the only one that has to do this. And he just started laughing. It's like, you're right. But also you just asked me. <laughs> what it is that, that you could do. And I think what I realized in that moment when I was asking him, what can I do for you? What I was really trying to say was, what can you do to help me? And I do, and what it was, was we need to do this together. <laughs> but I didn't have those words. So I love that we uh, clearly have great leaders at home um, that are able to lead us when we need it. And um, be that knight in shining armor, right? Men listening to this, women listening, you know, we are, we both have gifts and men like to always like to fix is the number one complaint women have. I just want him to listen. I like a man that wants to fix things when they're broken. <laughs> Me too. Right? I mean, I, I, I found one. My girls can listen. You know, I can call a therapist to listen. I need a handyman. <laughs> I need a guy that takes out the trash and also can put away the dishes and you do a load of laundry because apparently I feel overwhelmed as I'm trying to launch a business and coming up on the busiest um, certification program for myself. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I love what you're bringing to the consulting world. I'm excited to check out what you have to offer. I think a lot of the women uh, that I know in my cohort that are coaching also have a lot to offer in consulting. And I think women in general are leadership place for me. I see that as being in the consulting space. Let the men climb the ladder at corporate America. Let them make their more money because we can make more by charging what we're worth in the consulting space. Yep. I, you, you couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better myself. You took the words right out of my mouth. Love it. So the upside accelerator for early stage consultants uh, you can check that out on uh, your website, which is theupside.com. No, 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 girlfriend. Cool. It is Be The Upside. Be The Upside. Be The Upside. I will actually have that link in my uh, link on my link tree when your episode releases, so you guys can find it there if you click the link in the bio. If you're still listening and you've made it to the end, which you should have, this is a great episode, um, don't forget to give me a little uh, review. Like us on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Tell us what you like. Go over to Outstanding Women Leaders and Out Professional Coaching on Instagram and like us. You can also learn more about having your own witty and wise conversation with me at owlprofessionalcoaching.com. I also offer complimentary uh, transformational coaching um, sessions. They are a leadership and relationship evaluation. And much like Erin talked about here, we'll be taking a look at where you can grow, or where, what goals that you have. If you want to do better, uh, you, gotta, you don't know what you don't know. And when you know better, you do better. What Erin is bringing to the consulting space is exactly what I'm bringing to the coaching space to help you see the blind spots that you have and to grow revenue, which for us is time, happiness, all of the good things. 
Um, before we go, I have three questions I ask everybody, as I promised. Number one, what's your superpower? Uh, my creativity is my superpower. It's gotten me, it's brought me so much joy in my life and has gotten me through many problem-solving exercises in, throughout, even my childhood. I, it's something I love about myself. I love that. What's your purpose? Connecting people. And last question, as you stand in your superpower of creativity and your purpose of connection, what's next? Well, Kay, I don't have the crystal ball, but if I had to turn the chapter of the upside over after we've built this unbelievable collective and built the course and touched so many people's lives, I think the next phase would surprise you that I will one day become a painter professionally. I love that. I will hopefully by that point have enough money to purchase one of your paintings. Well, I, 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 I will charge a lot of money because I now know how to do that sort of thing these days. But they're all hanging in my house as of now, all the art. Eventually, I'll paint in a studio one day. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today.